Welcome to the Places Where We Go podcast. Hello, I'm Julie. And I'm Art. We're the hosts of the Places Where We Go podcast. Join us as we share our travel stories. We'll tell you about where we've been, what we saw, and what we did. We're always looking for a bit of an adventure. Sometimes we travel far. Sometimes we explore the places in our own local backyard. Wherever we go, we'll let you know about the highlights and top tips to help you plan your future adventures. This is the Places Where We Go podcast. Today we have something that's kind of different than our usual, typical travel. This experience comes under the category of kind of closer to something in our own backyard. But what we have today is what turned out to be a 28-hour adventure that included our first ever car camping experience, eating at a historic diner in the middle of the desert, stumbling across an entire town that is for sale, and ultimately we would make our way to our main destination just over the border in Arizona. So we had set out to Kingman, Arizona to visit the gravesite of your uncle, Julie. So this would end up being roughly a six-hour drive in each direction. And our restrictions were that we couldn't leave until late Friday afternoon because of work commitments, etc. And we needed to be back before Sunday morning. So this was... On our list of things to do, a lot of miles to cover in a short amount of time, and we decided that we were going to try to do something new, which was do the car camping thing. So we set up the van with the Exped mat, which we featured in a YouTube video um, a couple of months ago, through the pillows in the back of the minivan, sleeping bags, a very small cooler with some food and drinks, and Friday about 4 p.m. we hopped in the minivan and drove roughly four hours to Yermo, California, out in the middle of the Mojave, roughly halfway between Las Vegas and the Los Angeles area. And uh, when we left, it's that time of the year where probably by six o'clock or so, started to get dark and ways routed us onto Highway 18, which is a two-lane road that those types of roads always make me nervous. It was dark, I think bordering on could be dangerous. I mean, there's accidents that happen on that road. So we were happy to finally... Almost immediately turning onto the road, we're driving into somebody trying to pass Mm -hmm. a car and that that's the worry. Yeah. You know, that's what you get afraid of. Yeah. And at night, just, uh, you know, the visibility is totally different. And with the, the headlights make things look a little bit different. And then you hope everybody's got their headlights on. So that was a little bit of a kind of white knuckle experience. But we finally arrived in Yermo, California at 8 p.m., which gave us enough time to grab a glass of wine at Peggy Sue's Diner. And then we would be off for camping out in our car. Yes. So at Peggy Sue's Diner, something we've passed by a a couple of times, you probably more than I. And it is a retro 50s diner that, like you have said, is in the middle of the Mojave Desert. And... It is a place to go. It's like that marker, that place to go for many people to experience this 50s diner style 
eating experience. Yeah, I mean, there's been multiple trips that we've taken out on the highway that passes this place. And we've always said, hey, someday we should stop there. Yeah. And we, we've, up until we this once. time. We did once. Oh, yeah, we on did. On our way to, well, yeah. But we, we didn't go into the diner. It was closed, right? Well, it was during COVID time. Yeah, so things were different. I think at the time there was no inside dining. So we used the parking lot on the heels of our Death Valley trip just with some friends of ours to uh, park the rigs and grab a bite of lunch. Yeah. 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 Actually, it was open. I remember it was open. I think we had just decided we weren't going to go in because we had food and we were just going to use the parking lot to have lunch. Yeah, they have a big parking lot. Yes. So this building, originally, it was a home. It's, it's since been built upon, but it was originally a home that was converted into a pie shop in 1954. And whoever this person is that made this conversion, I, I still don't know who it is, used spare parts and materials from the nearby Union Pacific Railroad Yard. You kind of get that sense when you walk in. It was a little bit hodgepodge, put together, haphazardly type of feeling to it. Yeah, probably something that was started small and then got added on to. added on and added on to. So eventually, Peggy Sue and her husband, Champ, who were theater people, reopened the diner in 1987, which surprised me a little bit. I, I didn't realize it was that, not late, but... I thought it was something that Peggy Sue had owned for quite a, a lot Lo- longer. Yeah. And Peggy Sue is actually still living. Mm-hmm. So her husband unfortunately passed, but she is still living. She's in her 70s. You walk in and you have this huge jukebox, not a real one, but this image of this huge jukebox inside when you first walk in. And there's an image of Betty Boop. And for those of you that don't know Betty Boop, she is a very old icon from way way back i mean what is 1920s before my time way before our time and the waitresses were dressed in their traditional style um, dining outfits and there's a vintage style ice cream counter there's a classic roadside diner food fair whatever you want to call it menu there's so much to see, you can hardly get it all in, of 50s-era pop culture paraphernalia, such as movie posters and celebrity photos that are signed. Peggy Sue is in a lot of these photos, and, and Champ is also. And they have some funny sayings on the wall. They have a lot of well-known actors and actresses all over the wall, including Lucille Ball, Marilyn Monroe, John Wayne, Elvis Presley... And they also have a lot of imagery from famous movies like Wizard of Oz and yeah, so there's Gone stuff, with the Wind, I think, was Yeah, one. there's stuff for your eyeballs yeah, it's everywhere. everywhere you look. Yeah, but it was fun. Yeah, and in addition to all that stuff, they also, you know, being a 50s diner, add to that ambiance with the music that they pipe in. So as we were there, it was kind of a mix of 50s and 60s. 60s yeah. So, you know, they go back away on the, uh, the music. So it kind of takes you back in time that way too as we said we stopped for some wine when we got there it was late it was fairly shortly before they were going to close so we just got a couple glasses of wine and enjoyed the ambiance for a little bit and we went into the van and that was an interesting experience um slept in the parking lot at pegasus yes in a van we threw the ex-ped back there the mattress you sleep different than i 
do uh, there's i can't do bumps and stuff mm. i mean i feel like mm-hmm. i'm on what is that story about the, the pee in the bed the mattress or some the little pee pods or something i don't know and then there's just this little pee pod and you can't get comfortable and you can't get comfortable and you you try everything you you know possible you stack mattresses on top of each other but you just know that there's that pee right there in the bed not pee pee but pee you never heard that like, story no it's a little nursery rhyme that's how i felt mm-hmm so there's this big dip, and I know it's there, and I can feel it. Yeah, because we have to take the seats out to lay the mattress down. So, yeah. yeah. So, and you're not as bothered by that, apparently. But you didn't have a great night's sleep either. No, because, I mean, the, the mat is a mat. It's not a mattress. So, you know, the comfort level was a far cry from what we're used to. But that said, I think, on the one hand, we got the mat that we did specifically because it fit the back of the van. And we told ourselves, hey, someday we may want to do some car camping, be it at the beach or whatever. This turned out to be a whatever. So it was also just partly doing this experiment. Will it work? I think the X-Ped was the right choice. This is like a Mm self-inflating mattress. It has a little step hand pump pump to it. But that's just for that little extra that you can put in there if you go the route of trying to blow up an air mattress which are some that would fit in there but if you did that to me that's just added work that yeah. doesn't need to happen yeah the x-ped works very well it's very easy very simple yeah. provides some cushion so you're not sleeping directly on a hard surface and then you know you also had in the parking lot it seems to be a, a place that truckers stop so there was numerous semi-trucks one very close to us that had the uh, diesel. That's because we parked right next to it. So anyways, we were serenaded by the noise of the semi-trucks for much of the night. Yeah, that didn't bother me. It turned out to be like white noise yeah. after a while. And there was a few other folks in RVs. Uh, we did you know, call the night before to make sure that that was going to be copacetic with the folks at Peggy Sue's. They're very um, open. Yeah. Any, and uh, they're also a Harvest host. Yeah, which we're members of. Yeah. So we, we did work that angle. And so, yeah, roughly what, 9, 9.30, I think we uh, called it a night, tried to make a bed in the van. That was fine. Nope. Yeah, I woke up a few times. But then uh, next thing you knew, the... Early rays of sunlight started to come out, and uh, we knew Peggy Sue's was going to be open at 7 a.m. for breakfast, and we were going to be having breakfast for the first time at Peggy Sue's bright and early, and we were the first ones in there when they opened the doors, yeah. yeah. The breakfast was what you think would be a, you know, a diner breakfast. They have an extensive menu, lots of things on it, uh, lots of breakfast items, they have lunch items, they have dinner items, so they have you covered. And it was uh, it was good food. It was it was what I would consider traditional diner type food. So whatever pops yeah. into your head for that, that's what you get. So they uh, yeah, it was good. Mm-hmm. I, I I enjoyed it. Yeah. So we were done eating, you know, which is the one of the things that you do there, and started to leave. And you went. I forget why you went another direction, but I went another direction. And just as I was leaving, they were opening up the gift shop. Mm-hmm. And the gift shop was huge. It was huge. Full-on store. I, I couldn't believe how big it was. Yeah. And then they had the ice cream parlor there, and they did have an ice. They did have real ice cream there. Mm-hmm. So at some point, they do serve ice cream. Yeah. And they had a lot of stuff in the gift shop that was also kind of you know throwback items to the fifties and the sixties. 
in the corner there was like those old lunch boxes with the uh, TV characters on them that uh, I remember when I was a kid, you know, that's what you took to school. And um, not me. Paper bags, man. Paper bags. What else did they have there? I mean, tons of, I mean, lots of tchotchkes, shirts, puzzles, games, dinosaur related items. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. Probably a good place to stop to get some souvenirs if you're uh, out in the desert and want to bring something back for somebody mm-hmm. or yourself. Yeah, that's stickers and magnets yeah. and all those kind of things. And in the back, they have some metal roadside dinosaur sculptures in what they call their diner sore park. Get it? Ar, 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 get ar. it? Um, some of the sculptures are 10 foot tall, and one of them is a big King Kong. So just kind of walk through there it's a fun little place to walk through and so we really appreciated the very big large parking lot mm-hmm. some of it was paved but uh, most of it was gravel yeah. but it still worked very well and it was nice to take advantage of that halfway spot there and uh, be able to park the van yeah now when we were planning this trip and it kind of came up like within days i think of us actually doing it kind of sprung up on us fairly quickly you were a little bit apprehensive about doing the car camping because in the van and out in a parking lot there's not access to restroom facilities oh i was super super nervous about that yeah because apparently it's different for you than it is for it's me. It's very different. So I decided that I was going to see what things were available for me. Yeah. Uh, just in case there was an emergency in which I had to use some type of facility. So you you kept mentioning that you were looking for something. And I, I kept picturing uh, like a little sit down. You poo in me. The, potty that, chair or yeah, something. Yeah, you, you just were just like, what, what? Well, okay. partly because in my head, I was also thinking, hey, if you just kind of monitor your liquids late at night, then there shouldn't be a problem. Oh, please. Listen, ladies. Listen. Listen to what the men say. Even in the event that it may have it may have been an emergency was a concern for me. So I decided to go online and they have things called Travel John bags or Travel Jane bags, whichever you prefer. Jane. <laughs> and... They are specifically for emergency pee breaks. And I decided, okay, I'm just going to buy this and I'll be fine. So you were kind of, I think, pleased with the product, pleased with the purchase. You didn't use it. Very good reviews. Yeah, as you said, it had great reviews. You were glad you had it. You didn't have to use it. Right. But you were prepared. I was prepared. And you want to be prepared. That's right. Yeah. So given that you were pleased with it, other people who have used it are happy with it. If I remember to do so, we'll throw that a link to that item in the show notes. We'll, we'll put it on our Amazon. Yes, we will. Okay, we'll do that. Yes, we will. So if you are planning to be out and about and know that you'll be out somewhere in the middle of the night and want to have that extra protection for when nature comes calling, we'll have you covered. Okay. Enough yes. of the potty stuff. Yes. We were going to try to stop at Calico Ghost Town, which is nearby, but we didn't get a chance because... Oh, we're out of time. Yeah. Well, and there's a reason we were out of time is because when we were driving, the GPS took us to a place that was unexpected. Yeah. And and, Well, yeah. And this would have been a little bit past where Calico Ghost Town is. So Calico will be a trip for another day. And before we leave Peggy Sue's completely... Like we mentioned on several drives on the main highway, I think it's what, Highway 15. This was one of those places that drive after drive, we've said to ourselves, hey, we should stop there someday. 
There's another place that I still have on the list that I'd like to stop at someday, which is, I think it's called the Mad Greek. Oh, yeah. I think there's one in Baker and one somewhere else on the 15, but that's also on my list of one of these days. Okay. We'll stop there. All right. Because it's out in the middle of the desert. So anyways, you were saying we, we were in the car trying to make our way to Kingman, Arizona, and ways before we got to the Nevada border turned us on to Nipton Road off of Highway 15. So this was like this small road that was going to take us from the 15 to some other highway south of where we were. And it was like one of these roads that we were the only car on it. It's making its way through the Mojave Desert, driving, driving, driving. And then we started to come across some signage that was talking about that there's a town for sale. And we were thinking, well, that sounds interesting because how often do you see an entire town for sale? And then we're driving closer to, I guess it was the town of Nipton. And then in that, I'm going to call it a town, you could see that in the middle of the desert, there's some mature trees, there's some buildings. And who's driving, you or me? I was driving. You were driving. Yeah, the minute I saw the trading post in that little area over there, I was like, ah, we're pulling over. Yeah, so the car pulled over, you pulled us over. Mm-hmm. And next thing I know, we're doing a little bit of exploration because this is an oldish looking town. It looked like there was some history there. It looked like there were some things to at least quickly explore, take some photos. So we stumbled across some signage about the history of the town. There was like this old, not functioning hotel. It was labeled the Hotel California. Mm-hmm. There was this, I think what used to be a restaurant or a place for drinks. And there were, there was tables set up there that were nice. on the outside, just begging for cold beers to be That's laid out. Nice. Yeah. Very thick wooden tabletops. Very yeah. long. It was very nice. This is a, um, a townish kind of area where there's just kind of one main road that makes its way right through town. So this stuff was on one side of the street. On the other side of the street was an RV park, a very small one it looked like. So we were just kind of wandering around, taking photos, kind of exploring. And um, then I think I kept walking a little bit. And then you got in the car and started to drive up. As you were driving towards where I was, a gentleman came out of this, I don't know if it was trading post or something. No, it's like just a little shack. little shack. Yeah. And uh, just started talking to me and one, I was surprised to see a person in this place because it was, it almost looked ghost towny, but, but not a hundred percent. And so the, this gentleman mentioned that he had moved there from Colorado. They were setting up, he and I don't know if it was his wife or his girlfriend, but setting up goods for sale in the shack and they had honey for sale. You had pulled over at that point. We went inside the, uh, the shack house and uh, we left with container of honey. And it turns out that we were Apparently, their very first customer ever. They were very happy about that. They were, yeah, they were. We took photos. And then as we were leaving there, we were hearing from this house, I don't know, 100 feet away or so, this blues music, blues guitar. And it got our attention because it sounded like somebody was in the house just with a guitar. I thought they were on the porch. I kept looking mm-hmm. at that porch thinking, where is he? Because there's a lot of stuff on the porch. So I'm like... Is he sitting down? Where is he? Yeah. The doors were open to the house. So then I was thinking, well, maybe somebody, the person with the guitar is in the house. First, a a lady was on the outside and you had... 
I started talking to her. Yeah, and we were asking, like, who's playing the guitar? Yeah. And then she told us it was on a recording. It was a speaker. So there's a speaker right here. Yeah. So, and I thought, oh. So that burst my bubble just a little bit because, I mean, it, it sounded live. Mm-hmm. It sounded absolutely live. And being around live music as often as I am fooled me a little bit. But then a gentleman came out and we started a conversation with him. I think his name was Stefan or Stephen? Stefan. Stefan. Very personable gentleman who then introduced us through discussion. My brother through another mother. Yeah. I'm convinced. Oh, for, for you, absolutely. <laughs> but mentioned that the guitarist that they were playing was a guy named Justin Johnson. I'll just, you know, diversion. If you haven't heard this guy, it's worth it to seek him out. He's on YouTube. Go to YouTube and type in Justin Johnson shovel guitar and... I bet you what you will see and hear will blow your mind. You will be amazed. Yes, absolutely amazing. Phenomenal guitar player. So we, we chatted for a bit. I left with some information about a new musician that I found really interesting. Oh, and then we also learned from Stefan about the the town being for sale. For sale. Well, we, we knew it was for sale. Yeah, but he gave but us the lowdown. he lowdown. gave us more information. Yeah, so here's the deal, is if you've ever thought of owning a town, you can own the entire town of Nipton, which today has a population somewhere in the 15 to 20 people total. It's on the northeastern border of the Mojave National Preserve. The town can be yours for $2.75 million. Now, 80 acres. 80 acres comes with that too. And I think obviously like the buildings that used to be something. So for 2.7 million for the land, for the town. And if you have another million or a couple of million to throw into renovation, I bet you for 5 million, you can have a happening place. (laughs) So I did some quick research about this town because it was really intriguing. So it looks like Nipton was founded back in 1905 with the coming of the first train on what was then the San Pedro, Los Angeles, and Salt Lake Railroad. And at the time, it was called Nipeno Camp. Ultimately, by 1910, they shortened the name to Nipton. And in the years following, I don't think it had like a big heyday of any kind. I mean, there was something there. But it was the railroad goes goes right by it. So there was some, I think the railroad brought in some, some people. People. There was a cattle industry, mm-hmm. and the railroad was transporting cattle. Yeah. So and, it's something to do with that. Yeah, and the hotel building that's on the premises looks like it's probably been around for decades. So that probably has some history there. There was an old schoolhouse. It's also Adobe. Yeah. It's an Adobe house. Yeah. There was an old schoolhouse on the other side of the street. So there was a village of of some sorts back in the day. There was little information about that on that I found quickly on the internet. But you fast forward to 2017, just a few years ago, the town was purchased for $5 million with plans to turn it into a cannabis tourism destination. And the CEO of American Green Incorporated planned to make the community the first pot town USA, but he wasn't able to attract enough capital. So that dream went up in smoke. A cannabis theme resort. And then the place was sold to Delta International Oil and Gas for $7.7 million. And interesting that Delta International Oil also had plans to turn the area into a cannabis-themed resort. That also didn't happen. And as of last November, the town was listed for sale again with the price plummeting to $2.7 million. Yeah, so 
I don't know which buyer defaulted on their loan, but it must have been the last one, right? Probably, yeah. But when you and I, when we were walking through here, and I didn't know anything about this, you know, pot dream history that some of these investors had, but we were saying, hey, if, if somebody invested in this area, if you spruced up that hotel, you spruced up the restaurant, and if you expanded the RV park area, mm-hmm. you this would be a, a neat rv camping spot because it's right right in the mojave so for people who like it's right on the edge of the preserve Mojave Mm -hmm. preserve yeah if you like to hike in the desert it's right there it's probably within i don't know what 10 15 minutes of state line so you know you could camp there one day go hiking in in the mojave the next day go over state line spend some time in a casino you could probably another day wander up kind of closer toward the amargosa area up toward death valley it's a neat place that i think it has would have better potential as an expanded rv camping place so if you've got five million dollars give or take i think that um that's something that uh somebody could do something with especially with the explosion in trailers and Mm -hmm. rvs being bought yeah and the kind of lack of enough camping areas right yeah. Plus, also, you know, he- hearing the blues music there, I could also picture, you know, late at night, you have some live musicians there. Mm-hmm. I would go. We would go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's close enough to mm-hmm. Southern California. So, Nipton, California, if you're ever making your way toward Vegas, an interesting place to take that turn off on Nipton Road, drive a little bit, and see something that's fairly unique. I mean, I'm really glad that we uh, drove through there. It was, it was a really interesting experience. Yeah. After that, we made our way to Kingman, Arizona. So I think that was another, I don't know, probably a couple hours in the car. A couple hours, yeah. Yeah. So this was the the destination that started us off on this trip to begin with. We were actually making our way to a cemetery in Kingman, Arizona, called Mountain View. It was a promise made, and my uncle is buried there and it wasn't until 2000 I don't know seven that we finally found out what happened to him and where he was buried well we found out that he was dead unfortunately and in 2007 sometime after that I found out where he was buried long story sad story my mom's youngest brother only brother And I made a promise to her. So I think that sometimes I say things and you just kind of say, okay, let's Mm -hmm. do it. Mm -hmm. And so that's what happened. (laughs) It was kind of like, okay, let's do it. Let's fulfill the promise and let's do it. Plus with genealogy, you know, that's one of the main places that you get information is death records and cemeteries. And it tells a lot. It's part of that person's story and it tells a lot about people in the area. So cemeteries are used quite often to determine events and things that happen in certain areas by collecting that data of who they were, when they died. Was there a big mass number of people that died at the same time? And and then you start researching as well, why would that happen? A lot of times it had to do with viruses and things that would come and take out large portions of the population. And that's, you know, this is stuff that will date back in time. So cemeteries interest me. I always have an interest in them to, to see what their stories are. Mm-hmm. Hey, and then you had mentioned too, when we got to the cemetery, you had mentioned that 
that over a few years in trying to find out where your uncle was buried and having difficulty finding that, that you kind of stumbled across that by almost by accident. Mm -hmm. Somebody had posted a photo mm -hmm. of the grave marker. Mm -hmm. Grave marker. Yeah. There are people that will go to certain cemeteries and they will take pictures of people they don't know, but they'll take pictures of gravestones and they'll take that information and that picture and post it to sites that are dedicated to helping people find where grave sites are. Yeah. You know, you can look on names. If you're in genealogy, a lot of times you have partial information. So you're searching on partial information and sometimes you get lucky because people that will do this type of stuff, they'll go to cemeteries and they'll get all this information and gather it and put it in, in data form onto a website. Yeah. So when you were recalling this and mentioned that it was kind of by a stroke of luck and the fact that some person somewhere took the time to take a photo of the marker, put it mm -hmm. on this website that you happened to stumble across mm -hmm. and it was not the cemetery's website, it was some other website. Right. Before we left, and we were looking at some of the grave markers in the, in the county section, there were quite a few John Doe's, there were a few mm -hmm. markers with like partial information, missing information, and then you started to uh, ask me to start to take photos of those so that you could then put those on that probably the same website or similar website. Mm -hmm. I guess it's probably it's called, kind of a... The one that I found him yeah. on was called Find a Grave. Okay. And I can take that information, that very scant little bit of information, but at least it has a location on it, and it, it'll have a date of death. There's usually not a birth date on the county ones. These are the pauper's graves. These mm -hmm. are... They could not find relatives, so they the county buried these people. Yeah, so we'll be uploading information that we took mm -hmm. into that. And uh, just as somebody helped you in the past, maybe we'll be able to help somebody find somebody that they're connected to by doing the same thing as well. Yeah, so. and, and it was one of those things that the promise was kept. There was a little bit of closure. I knew my uncle well. He was uh, a great uncle to me. And it was kind of that goodbye. And, mm -hmm. and I needed it. So it was a good thing. So that was kind of the, the pinnacle, the main reason of our trip. We probably spent about 45 minutes or so at Mountain View Cemetery and started to make our way from Kingman, Arizona to what would be our way back home. I don't know. 1 p.m. ish or so, 1 1 30. Yeah, and we knew we couldn't stop anymore because yeah. we would have gotten we would have gotten home way too late. Yeah. So knowing that we were going to have this trip back and forth in the desert over a, a very compressed period of time, I did look on there's so one of the sites that I look at for travel information is called Atlas Obscura, and they list kind of like unusual places. So I had identified a few places that were en route that you know would have been possible stops. And if we hadn't spent the amount of time we spent in Nipton, we would have done one of these other things. So under the category, as we often do, if we had more time, a few other places that popped up of interest in Kingman, Arizona, there's the Kingman Explosion Memorial. So once upon a time, there was this ex big explosion event that happened there. There's a memorial that recaps and serves as a memory to that. And then driving back to California through the desert, there's the Area 66 UFO Museum in Yucca, which we might do on a future drive through the desert. 
Cardi's Camp in Needles, which is a historic tourist stop with a story that predates Route 66. And I think it's one of those stories that as Route 66 happened, and then after that, the interstates then took out Route 66. You had these once upon a time towns that ended up dying as the roads made their way somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. And then Ludlow, I think in California, another classic Route 66 ghost town. So we will be back in the desert of the Mojave and the Route 66 area in the future. So weren't able to do those places this time, but sometime in the future, we will do that. At this point, we started getting a little hungry. I think we just kind of had a little snacky stuff in the car and it was heading towards dinner time, so we did a little search for somewhere to eat, and we found a place in Barstow called Los Domingos, and it's, it was a little place in a hotel. It was a restaurant in the hotel. So we stopped there, and the menu offered some pretty good options for us since we're pescatarians. Yeah, there's lots of seafood. Lots of seafood. Choices, That's yeah. why we picked it. Yep. So we were glad to see that, and they even had salmon options, which was nice to see in a kind of an American-Mexican restaurant. Yeah, kind of, we don't see that often at Mexican no. places, hardly nope. ever. No. Nope. Yeah. So you had the salmon enchiladas, and I had tequila lime salmon and shrimp, which yeah. was good. Yeah. It was very good. I enjoyed the enchiladas. Okay. Very good. Oh, but it sure made us full, though. Oh. Mm-hmm. I saw... A list of drinks, and and there was an huckleberry margarita, and I think that coming off of Montana, I was thrilled to see the word huckleberry, and I said, oh, I'm going to have that. So you decided that you would do the rest of the driving, even though you did most of it, and I had this huckleberry margarita, and it was good. I had it on the rocks. It was good, but. Having come from Montana and having a few huckleberry things there, I didn't really get the huckleberry taste. Yeah, in fact, you mentioned you got a different kind of taste. I, it kind of it kind of reminded me of Kool-Aid. Yeah, you gave me a sip, and I have to agree. It's kind of like <laughs> Kool-Aid. Yes. Yep. Kind of had that similar flavor. With a tequila chaser. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, overall, g- but good, was, good it, place it was okay. for dinner. Yeah, yeah overall, yeah. it was a very good place. So I enjoyed that, and we got back in the car. And a very special thanks to Chelsea, our waitress. She was very sweet, very mm-hmm. nice. And I think we made a good selection for our dinner that night. Yeah. So that's kind of what we ended up doing over a period of 28 hours. And I think I'm going to footnote this experience like this. If you have been listening to us for a while, or if you go back in the archives, there's numerous what I would call even like epic trips that we've taken. You know, we've talked about visits to places in the UK and England and Wales, some of the great areas in the national parks, be it the recent experience we had in Montana, numerous trips we've taken to Sequoia National Park, all, you know, these kind of bigger places. I love to do those kind of trips. You know, if it's hop on a plane and go someplace I've never been, I am equally as happy to get in the car and experience something different. This is me. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of a little bit what this trip was like. And even though it was compressed into about a day and a half, we went to a new place to eat that we had spied before. We saw this new town, this new old town that we never heard about before and got a taste of the local flavor there, saw new vistas on roads we hadn't been to before on our way to Kingman. And I 
came back felt like we had a fulfilling weekend and it felt so much longer to mm-hmm. me than just 28 hours. It felt like we had been away for maybe three days mm-hmm. and yeah. it, it was really a short amount of time. Yeah. So I just recommend if you enjoy travel, you don't have to wait to do the trip to Italy. You can hop in the car and I bet you within a hundred miles of where you live, there's probably 50 places you've never been to before. And yeah. Is, and we're ready to go back. And, and I would do the car camping again. And we probably will. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have a problem with that at all. We we did kind of a test run on it. We found some of the things that we could fix. I thought about the things that bothered me the most, Mm. and took care of that. You know, whether it was in my own head or I physically got something that would help me along, and um, I would do it again. Yeah, I think especially for like a quick trip like this, where it might not make as much sense to go get the rig, prepare the rig, you know, do the whole RV thing. Not with a turnaround like that. Yeah, and, and also you. Know, so if we were in the airstream, we couldn't have done it in this amount of time because being in the car, we were able to drive seventy. 75 miles an hour, depending on where we were, we don't dare drive pulling a trailer anywhere near that. So as a matter of fact, we saw a trailer go right off the side of the road. Mm -hmm. We didn't see it. Oh yeah. It was the aftermath of it. Yeah. They had uh, yeah, this was on our way, I think after Peggy Sue's Mm -hmm. toward Nipton and yeah, their whole rig just went through some sign on the side of the road and that was the end of that trip. Yeah. Yeah. So if you are pulling, do watch your speeds. I mean, we try to keep it to fifth, about 55, no more than 60 yeah, tops. Yeah, not comfortable yeah. to go over that. Safety first. Yeah. So anyways, a little different experience than what we usually talk about, but mm-hmm. we just came off doing this, so we thought we would share the most recent adventure as it was with y'all. So thanks for listening, and we're glad that you joined us at the places where we go If you're not subscribing to us yet, take a minute and hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite source for podcasts, and you can catch any of our future episodes. We really appreciate if you left us a review. And we also have a YouTube channel, The Places Where We Go, where you can see our adventures in video format as well. So uh, thanks for joining us, and tune in next time, and we'll take you to another place on the places where we go. Bye for now. If you have any comments or info to share with us about travel, you can write us at comments at theplaceswherewego.com. You can also follow us on social media. Right now we're on Twitter and Instagram, both at the places where we go. Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you at the places where we go. See you next time. Bye now.